Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. All right, I want you uh, to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 1. And we're going to start there in our study this morning. And let me just go ahead and tell you what we're going to be teaching about. And I encourage you to write this title down. The subject is Do It Afraid. Would everybody say that out loud? Do it afraid. One more time. Do it afraid. Now, that may seem like an unusual title, but you know what? That theme is all through the Bible. Really, it's part and parcel, if I could put it to you this way, of the DNA of God. When you come to Christ, it says the Holy Spirit comes inside you. And one version says that you become a new creation, or another says a new species. It's almost as if God injects uh, his God nature into you, and let's just, let's just use it as an analogy, the DNA. When God's DNA comes in you, guess what? Everything that God has available is now within your grasp. So that means that when you don't have patience, God's DNA's got patience. That means when you don't have faith, God's DNA has faith. Now, the problem is that many times God will ask us to do things that we feel incapable of doing. That's part of God. God lives in the realm of the what we call the impossible, but how many of you know God doesn't, doesn't look at it that way? God doesn't say, you know, to, to the Father doesn't say to Jesus, wow, Jesus, this is going to be a really tough one, uh, but I think we can pull it off if the Holy Spirit gets involved too. It's it's in the realm of the impossible, but we're going to try to do this. No, God doesn't live in the realm of the, quote, impossible. God lives in the realm of all things are possible. So you have to understand that he is coming to us from that perspective. It's only from our perspective that we go like, wow. Everybody say, wow. All right, let's say it backwards. Wow. Wow. And so often when God comes to us and says, I want you to start a business, our first reaction is, wow. Or God comes to Abraham. Do you remember that story? God said to Abraham, go to a land that I will later show you. Wow. You know, it's like, could you just go ahead and give me the plan and then I might buy into it. Now, see, that's our natural thinking. Our natural thinking is, God, go ahead and give me every step Give me the plan, give me the outline, then I'll get in on it. God said, "Mm mm-mm, because that's not faith. You're going to obey step by step, even though you can't see the plan and the final destiny, you're going to step out with me and do it afraid. Did you get that? You're going to do it afraid. Let me amplify on that a little bit before we look at this in Joshua. When I think about the DNA of greater church, Let's talk about our church, and I'm a a member of our church here. So let's talk about pastors Lydia and pastors Chino, amen, and the team that came up from Miami. You know, that was a step of faith for all involved. And I can just about tell you that they had to do it afraid, there were probably moments where they felt great confidence, and the next day were like, well, I don't know about this. That's just normal. That's normal and natural for those 
of us here on this earth. But in God's realm, he doesn't look at it that way. I want you to leave Miami, and I want you to go to a place that I will show you. Okay, Lord, let's, before we get going here, tell me exactly what we're going to do. Now, it's not just pastors Chino and, and Lydia and the team that came. It's those of you who are sitting here and those of you watching online and those that will be coming to this church. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to others and say, you know what? Even though this is a small church compared to what you're used to, I want you here. I want you to be a part of the, the foundation of raising up this new work in this area a multicultural emphasis, a church that's going to reach its community. I want you to be a part of this church. And part of your flesh might say like, wow, I don't know. Could you go ahead and tell me, Lord, what the future and the destiny exactly is going to be for this church? Then I might buy in on it. God says, mm-mm. We always step out in faith, and we're going to what? Do it afraid. Do it afraid. Now, let's look in Joshua chapter 1. If you haven't found your way by there by now, then we need somebody to help you. Amen. You've had plenty of time. <laughs> Joshua chapter 1. And do they have this on the overhead too? Do they have some of these scriptures on the overhead? Oh, yes. All right. We are co coordinated. All right. Verse 6. Chapter 1, verse 6. This is God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Let's say that out loud. Be strong and of, now God will always say that to you. God will never come and say, be afraid and be pitiful. God will never do that. In fact, one of the most famous sayings of Jesus constantly was, be not afraid. Be not afraid. One of the very first things that angels will say when they show up, be not afraid. Now, you know, if an angel walked through the wall in my house, I would need to hear that immediately. Be not afraid. Because again, our natural tendency when God begins to lead us or guide us or impress us with something is fear hits us. And if you let, listen to me now, if you let fear control you, it's going to draw a limit around you. Fear wants to box you in Fear wants to come to you and say, no, you, you can't do that business. You can't go to that school. You can't get that education. You can't get that job. Whatever it might be, you can't go to another city and plant a church. No, you can't do Ryan's teams. No, you, you know, no, 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 no. Fear wants to draw a circle of boundaries around you, and faith comes and erases those boundaries and says all things are possible. That's the DNA of God. And guess what? You've got that DNA now. If you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit has come in you, you are a new creation. You are a new species. Everything that God has and is is now available unto you. The fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the nature of God, the faith of God, it's all available when you learn to yield to it. And so if you haven't discovered this yet, Christianity is not about a bunch of works Every religion in the world, and I've traveled all over the world, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, all the religions of the world basically say this, if you work hard enough to keep the rules and learn our keys and principles, you might be good enough to go to heaven. That's, it's a works-based, performance-based system. God comes through Jesus and says, you know what? 
all have fallen short of the glory of God. You can't keep the rules perfect. No one is perfect. He gave us the Ten Commandments so that it would show us how frustrated we would be trying to keep the Ten Commandments. And that would in turn drive us to faith in Christ. The reason Christ came is because no man, no woman of any culture, any nation can keep the rules and regulations perfect. Nobody can. And so Jesus came and said, I will take your place. I will die on the cross and you have faith in me and we will count that as your perfection. He was sinless without sin. And so God the Father says, you have faith in Christ and I will count it as your perfection. It was his perfection, but he will count it unto you. <laughs> That's a pretty good deal, amen? You can't beat that. Now Joshua was following Moses. How would you have liked to have stepped into the shoes of Moses? I mean, this is a guy that split the Red Sea, released all the plagues on Egypt. I mean, this guy was a, a hero in his own time. And you're going to come and follow Moses? I mean, how would you like to interview for that job? Okay, let's all step over here. We're going to see who can split the Red Sea like Moses did, and then we're going to give you the job. So don't you think that Joshua could have felt a little bit of fear and intimidation? And because Joshua was feeling fear and intimidation following a guy like Moses, God comes along and says, look at it again, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Notice how God repeats himself. Be strong, be strong, be courageous, be very courageous. Now, when we read the word like this, and when you see it on the screen or on your phones or your, your tablets, or in my case, a real Bible, a printed Bible, uh-oh, uh-oh, come on now. Come on now, I've started preaching. I'm just playing with you. But when you read the word, you need to see it as God speaking to you. It's not just a historical story, though, though it is historical. It's God speaking to you by the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that God is standing in front of you right now, and he's saying, be strong, be courageous. Don't be intimidated. Don't feel or fear that you can't do that which is in your heart to do. You can do it. But Lord, I'm not perfect. <laughs> we know that. That's why Jesus is going to help you. That's why the Holy Spirit's going to help you. But Lord, have you forgotten how I messed up? Yes, I have forgotten that, and you need to forget it too. How far has he removed our sins? As far as the east is from the west. I love that song, a casting crown. Amen. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. Would you mark this? Would you take notes on this last part of verse 7? That thou mayest prosper wherever you go. How many of you want to prosper in the sense of being successful? Well, I could turn that around. How many of you want to be failures in life? Nobody would raise their hand on that. God says, if you will go my way, you'll prosper. And that doesn't just mean money. 
Prosper means spirit, soul, and body. Just like we sang in the song, it will be well with your soul. It will be well with your relationships. It will be well with your finances. It will be well with your health. It will be well even in the midst of a horrible situation. It can be well because you're following my word. There's power in the word. I said there's power in the word. Verse 8. Let's keep reading. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. I want you to circle the word mouth there because guess what? What is in your mouth is important. The way you talk about yourself is important. The way you talk about your future is important. Okay, parents, come on now. This is real. The way you talk to your children is important. And we've all been there. I've raised three children. I'm, I'm, I'm raising, I've got two now and one in heaven. But I know what it's like when you're frustrated as a parent. And then we all fall short as parents. How many of you realize that? There is no perfect parent except those who don't yet have children. They know that they'll be perfect. And they are full of wisdom to give unto you. But once you have children, you begin to get balanced up a little bit. And you know what? You, you have to correct your children, and sometimes you get angry with your children, but you always want to come behind that and look them right in the eye and say, look, mommy or daddy, I believe in you. You are going to be successful. God has a destiny for your life. And you start giving them the positive input even though you've had to correct them. Now, most of us weren't raised like that. Most of us, were. our model is not that. Our model is... You know, you get a whooping and then they don't want to talk to you for about two days. But that's, that's not the way God treats us, thank God. So we need to raise children the way God raises us. He corrects us. He disciplines us. But he comes right behind that with the voice of the Holy Spirit. He says, I love you. I'm going to help you overcome this. I'm going to be right with there every step of the way. And even though what you did was wrong, you are not a wrong person. We're going to separate your actions from who you are. Who you are is that you're a good boy. You're a good girl. You have a destiny for your life. Now, what you did made mommy or daddy angry. But I forgive you, and you are going to be successful, and I'm going to help you every step of the way. Do you see the difference in that? You create an atmosphere of encouragement, an atmosphere for growth. With the words, everybody say words. How many of you have ever been hurt with somebody's words? Everybody in here, if you're honest. Words that go out, and you've said words that have hurt other people. But you know what? You can come right behind that with the positive word of God, and you can overcome that because, listen to me, God's word is more powerful than negative words. I'm going to say it again. God's word is more powerful than any negative word you've ever heard or any negative word you've ever spoken. God's seed is more powerful than the world's seed. He goes on and he says in verse 8, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Now, lift part of it out. Look at verse 8. Let me, let me read that again. Keep it in your mouth that thou shalt meditate. Everybody say meditate. Watch me now. Watch this. 
Meditation is, is what you're thinking about and what you're seeing. Your mouth is what you're saying that you may look at it, do. So there's a see it, there's a say it, and there's a do it. I said there's a see it where you see, okay, and, and, I'll, and again, I'm going to use pastors Chino and Lydia and the team. Yeah, we could go to another city. We don't have to have all the, all the details yet. We can go by faith, and so they begin to see a church planted before they ever saw the church planted. Are you with me? When David faced Goliath, do you think he didn't have any fear or any intimidation? Of course he had some facing Goliath, but he did it afraid. And he went out and he spoke with his mouth. He saw himself victorious. He went out and told that giant, he said, you know what, this day I'm going to feed you to the birds. You ought to go read what David said. I mean, <laughs> David was pretty tough. But the giant had been coming out there and insulting God and insulting Israel for days on end. And finally, David had enough of it. And he said, you know what? I'm going to feed you to the birds today. And Goliath, who was this seasoned warrior, they said he was a giant. I don't know how tall he was, but he was huge. I mean, just, just his shield and spear would take several guys to pick up and hand it to him. David walks out there with a slingshot. Okay, and you just come out there slinging. It was one of those slingshots like they had in, in the Middle East where they're, they're slinging it like this. He said, I'm going to defeat you. And that guy said, what is this that you send me just this little kid? David was doing it afraid. He had seen what God's plan was. He was saying it, and there came a day where you got to do it. Everybody say, do it. So we're going to sing a little song here. I promised Pastor Chino, I was, joke, I was joking with Pastors Chino and Lydia earlier this week. I said, I said tell them that I'm going to do a special, a special song. And, uh, <laughs> and then Nancy called me up and she was like, uh, I heard we're going to do a special, you're going to do a special song. I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing a special song. If we want, if we want it to be, it is well with my soul, I don't need to be singing. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this little song. You need to see it. You need to say it. You need to do it. I said you need to see it. You need to say it. You need to do it. Come on now. I said you need to see it. You need to say it. You need to do it. That's as good as I got, folks, on a song. So. Thank you. You can write letters of thanks for that. I'm messing with you. But it's true. There's a three-step process that will help you, and I want you to write this down and get it. When you are facing fear, grab yourself, I'm going to do this afraid. And how am I going to do it afraid? I'm going to start seeing what God wants, not what I think disaster is in store for me or defeat. I'm going to see what God wants. I'm going to start saying it with my mouth, and I'm going to do it. Everybody say, do it. So you go and you do it. Verse 9. Now, if it's like God's trying to repeat himself, maybe Joshua didn't get it. This is the third time. How many of you know if God says something three times in a row to you, he, he might want you to hear that? 
Verse 9, have I not, now it's gone from a suggestion to, please underline this word, have I not commanded you? It's a command. I'm not suggesting that you be strong. I'm not suggesting that you be courageous. I'm not suggesting that you stay in my word. I'm not suggesting that you prosper. I am commanding you to be strong and courageous. Now, you know, there's more to it than just you. There's people depending on you. And if you're not strong and if you're not courageous, guess what? Some people just might not be reached. Or God will have to find somebody else to do what you should have been doing. Are you there? So he said, I'm commanding it. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong, verse 9, and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee wherever you go. Amen. That's the bottom line. God's in on this. This is not self just self-talk or self-help or get myself psyched up. No, this is God Almighty is with you. Some of the principles are similar, and the world tries to rob principles from the Word of God and kind of separate God away from the principles. But guess what? It'll never work without God being involved. Amen. Let me tell you a story about uh, I'm a pilot, and I've flown thousands of hours. I've flown crisscrossing the United States. I've flown out of the country, delivering medical supplies to other countries. And so I've flown all kinds of airplanes. But as I was thinking about this <clears throat> this morning, I thought back to my very first flight training experience. And you have to understand, the reason I wanted to learn to fly is I had been driving everywhere for years for my conferences, my church meetings, my radio rallies. I'd been on the radio across the country uh, for years. And we would go in and rent a ballroom and, and have meetings. But I was driving everywhere, and it just was wearing me out. And this had been going on for years. And so one day I looked up, saw an airplane go over there, and I said, you know, I need to learn how to fly. And uh, at that time, my stepfather was a pilot. He had his, a small Bonanza F-33A, which means nothing to you, but a small four-passenger airplane. And I'd flown in that, and so I kind of I knew what was involved, and I said, Lord, I, I'm asking you if you would bless this, that I would learn how to fly. And I felt the Lord say, yes, if that's your desire, go for it. So I began to start seeing it. Everybody say, see it. Everybody say, see it. Say it. Do it. Now, some of you are just saying it. You're not saying it. You got to sing it. Come on. Everybody say, see it. Say it. Do it. Uh-huh. We got to get some music going with that, you know, maybe one day. Not now. I'm not ready to release my album yet. My album called Do It Afraid. But I remember my first lesson. It all seemed romantic, you know, the thought of it. Uh, we'd actually had some ground school, what they call ground school, where you study the, the theory of aeronautics and flight and so forth like that. But it's a different thing when you go sit in the airplane the first time. And when that engine roared to life, now we're talking about a little single-engine trainer. I mean, it, you know, we're not talking about a big jet or nothing. We're talking about a, the smallest plane you can get for training. And when, I, when he said, go ahead and start the engine, and he showed me how to start it, and the instructor sitting right beside me, and that thing roared to life, and that propeller was going around, my first thought was, Jesus. 
And that was not a faith statement, Jesus. That was a, I'm afraid, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And you know what? It's amazing how uh, your prayer life goes up instantly. You know, it's like you really become a, a prayer warrior at that moment, you know. And so I was like, oh, God, I, I'm not sure I'm, what am I getting myself into. Well, it seems silly now. As I look back and now I've flown, you know, thousands of hours and through all kind of weather, through storms, through snow, through blizzards, across the ocean. I had an engine go out over the ocean one time and only had one engine and the engine went out and I was about 2,000 feet from hitting the water and I had opened the door, ready to get my, my flotation device out the door and uh, no sight of land at all, no ships. I mean, I was looking for ships and things that I might could have landed next to, nothing. And uh, I started praying in the Spirit, and I just felt an impression. Somebody say he felt an impression. I tell you what, I was praying, and, it, and I can't say that I was, I was doing it afraid. Yeah, I was doing it afraid. But I won't say that I was doing it in complete faith. I was, but I was doing it afraid. And I felt this impression to switch uh, fuel tanks and hit the boost pump. I, I switched fuel tanks, and sure enough, found out later one of the fuel tanks had contamination in it, and it had gone through the line, and, and uh, the fuel flow had stopped. And so when I immediately switched tanks, engine roared back to life. I had an x-ray machine in the back, and that thing was, I was so out of, far out of CG, it wasn't funny. And, and meaning the airplane was tail heavy instead of weight and balance being proper. Anyway, I'm getting too far into aeronautics here for you. But, but I'm telling you what, that thing roared to life, and uh, I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everything that I've ever done, hear me now, everything that I've ever done as a Christian that God has prompted me to do, I've had to do it afraid. If you're waiting for the day, the magic day to come where I don't have any fear, I have no hesitation, I don't have any intimidation whatsoever, then I'll obey God. Guess what? You'll never do anything for God. Some of you right now have a dream in your heart. Some of you right now, you're in the middle of something and you're wondering, I wonder if I should continue on if I should be doing this. And guess what? That's probably the devil trying to talk you out of what God told you to do. And you need to keep doing it even if you're doing it afraid. Even if you're doing it afraid. Every time I've done it afraid, it's like fear vaporizes. As soon as you step out and start doing it afraid, fear will vaporize. It's like you walk into a dark room. You don't just sit there and curse the darkness. Darkness, go! Darkness, go! Flip on the light. Flip on the light. Turn on the switch. And when fear is standing there saying you're going to fail and you, there's no job for you and you're going to have to go back and live with mama and blah, 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 and all that stuff, you flip the switch and put on faith and do it afraid. Do it afraid. I want to look at a, another passage that uh, it's not, it's not going to be up on the screen, but let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I, was, I thought about this this morning. And some of you, I'm sure, can quote this. But 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 is an awesome verse. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Somebody say amen. amen. 
says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Now listen, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit. Did you, did you get that? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but he has given us a spirit. What spirit has he given us? Somebody help me. This is not, this is not a trick question. What spirit has God given us? The Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord, the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God has come in you, as we said earlier, and he has power, he has love, and he has sound mind. You could summarize the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life in those three categories. Power, which is basically, if you want to write this down, those of you that like to study, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is the power chapter. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about how things are done decently in order, and so that's the sound mind chapter. Power, love, and sound mind. God will show you how to have wisdom. What is sound mind? Wisdom. It's one thing to know I'm supposed to start a missionary organization. It's another thing to know how to do it. Hello. But if you start out in faith, and you start out just doing it afraid... Guess what? The wisdom, the sound mind, the ideas, the creativity will come as you go. It'll come as you go. But God has not given you a spirit of fear. God doesn't want you to let fear dominate your life. Now, let me give you my definition of fear. This one, have they put it up on the screen yet? Find, find this, uh, this slide. Fear, F-E-A-R. I want to give you a definition of fear. False evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. This is going to help you identify fear. Fear is false evidence appearing real. How does this work? The enemy comes and brings false evidence. And he says, you know what? You could never do that because don't you remember your past? Okay, that's evidence, but it's false evidence trying to appear real. Reject it. Reject it. Well, you couldn't go to another city and start up a church because la, 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 la. that's evidence, but it's false evidence appearing real. Now, I'm not saying anything Pastor Chino hasn't, hasn't said in his own sermons, but the, the, the past that he had as a, as a young man in trouble with the law and then ending up in prison and God delivered him out of that, and he met the Lord and was a leader in prison for Christ. All of that, I'm sure he had to battle in his head when God came to him and said, I want you to pastor. Don't you know the enemy came to say, well, hey, you can't pastor. Don't you remember this and that in your past? False evidence appearing real. Some of you have had rough, rough things happen in your life. Look, I've had rough things happen in my life. I grew up, my daddy was an alcoholic. One night he stuck, stuck a gun in my mouth and I, he said, I'm going to blow your brains out. I did not grow up in a, what we would call a Christian spirit-filled home. I mean, I wish I'd, I had, I might have been had a head start. But ultimately, we all make our own choices. And so, there were times in my life where the enemy would bring those thoughts back and the, and the hurt and the hurt and the hurt. Have any of you been hurt? Have any of you been let down in a relationship? 
And the enemy will come and he'll bring those things into your thinking, trying to stop you from moving forward. And you've got to identify it for what it is. This is a fear attack. It's a false evidence appearing real, but I reject it. And I've decided I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous. I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be courageous and I'm going to go with see it, say it, do it. I'm going to see what God has said in his word. I'm going to see what God has said in my heart. I'm going to see what God has said through the brethren and through the prophetic utterances that have been uttered over my life. I'm going to see what God wants. I'm going to start talking that way. Yes, I will go start a church. Yes, I will earn my pilot's license. Yes, I will get my nursing degree. Yes, I will be a missionary. Yes, I will start my... I start saying and speaking in line with what God has already put in my heart. Praise God, praise God, praise God. And then I do it. Let me tell you about how to do it. Start small. That's how you do it. You start small. I could not afford my first flight lesson. I didn't have any money. How are you going to get a pilot's license when you have any money? Well, I'll just wait till I have it. Just put it in reverse. Back it up. Beep, 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 beep. We got to get back a little bit because you've done messed up thinking you got to have all the money before you do it. You know what I did? I went out to the local airport and watched airplanes take off and land. Huh? For me, that was a faith step. It wasn't just airplanes taking off and landing. I saw myself in the airplanes taking off and landing. Now, this was a small town in a little airport, so and back then there was no security. Remember those days? And so I hopped the fence, and whenever, whenever a, a plane would pull up to get gas, I'd walk over and ask the pilot if I could see inside of his airplane. And you know what? They all love their airplanes. They're like, yeah, look how nice my airplane is. And I'd, I'd look in the airplane, and I had a couple guys, you know, say, go ahead and sit up there in the pilot seat. I was like a little kid, you know. Back then, I'd call it the steering wheel. I'm mean, like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Here, and I'm an adult, you know, and I'm, I'm in there, like, turning the yoke, the control stick. I call it a steering wheel back in those days. I didn't know any difference. See the pedals on the floor? Which one was the gas? Dirt. The pedals on the floor are the brakes. In an airplane, the gas is the throttle. Okay? So, but, you know, when you don't know any better, you're like, I'm asking the pilot, which one's the gas? Which one's the brake? He's like, mm. <laughs> you need to go to pilot school. <laughs> but I, that's what all I could do. I just jump the fence and go ask questions. Then I made a faith bulletin board. I cut pictures out of little airplanes that I thought could, could get me started. Remember, I was doing this because I was a speaker all around the country. So I had to have an airplane that it could at least take me. Make sense? Make sense? I didn't need a little kite for Jesus, amen? I didn't need one of those hang gliders for Jesus. You know, show up at a meeting, you know, and you come zooming in like Batman. But No, I wanted a real airplane that could go cross country, that could take my stuff and I could get the job done. Somebody say amen. amen. But had no money. But I did it afraid. 
So one thing I want you to get out of, of this message is the way you're going to get this going is you're going to start small, and don't be afraid to start small. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't be afraid to start small. Doesn't cost any money to do research. Some of you, you're believing God for a house, but it seems like the impossible dream. How could we ever own a house? It seems so complicated. Listen, go look at houses. Doesn't cost any money to go look. Ask questions. Find a mortgage broker who knows how to find mortgages for you. You don't have to figure that out. There's people out there that do that for a living. Go and ask them. And step by step, you're going to get closer to the reality of your dream. But you got to do it afraid. If you feel intimidated, like, oh, I couldn't go look at a house because they might. Nobody knows how much money you got or don't have. Unless you open your mouth and blab it off to them. I don't have any money. Don't say that. Do I got to teach y'all everything? Amen. So you walk in there just like you're a millionaire. I like this house. I'm feeling good about it. I can see myself here. And they're like, wow, he must have money in the bank. I do in my heavenly account. They don't know nothing. You walk in there like you're, you're the king or the queen, and you look around. You get a vision. Amen. How's it going to work? I don't know. I'm not Jesus. But he knows. And I do know this. If you'll do like Joshua, if you'll see it, if you'll say it, and if you do it, you're going to walk yourself into the promised land. That's what's going to happen. All right, let's look at... Uh, one other passage. Go, go with me to Numbers 13. We're just about through. But what a story. And then I'm going to give you some five things to write down real quick. Got about seven more minutes here. You remember the story where Moses sent the spies to, to spy out the land? Do you remember that story? Well, let me re review it for you. How many, how many tribes were there in Israel? Twelve. So God said, we're going to send 12, one of each tribe, to go look at this land called the promised land, and they're going to bring back a report. And the whole idea was they were supposed to come back and give a pep rally, if I could put it to you that way. They were supposed to come back and like, man, the land is great, just like God said. The fruit is there. The buildings are there. We can do this. They went there, and this, guess what? They saw these really tall people called giants, and 10, listen to me, Ten came back with a negative report. Only two, a guy named Joshua and Caleb, came back with a positive report. Now let's read what each one of those said. Numbers 13, go to verse 30. Chapter 13, verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I want you to say that out loud. We are are well able to overcome it. Say it again. We are well able. Boy, look at that attitude. Now, you got to understand, they weren't saying we in and of ourselves. They are saying with God's strength and God's power and, and the miracles that God can do, we can do this. But look at the next group. Look at the next verse. But 
the men that went up with him said, we be not able. Look at there. Look at the direct opposite. We be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land. Wow. If, if there was ever a story that shows the two, the two sides of faith versus fear, that's a story. Joshua and Caleb, it's interesting. God was so displeased that that whole generation died off and they never got into the promised land except Joshua and Caleb. They lived supernaturally long lives and they ended up going into the promised land with the next generation. But we be not able or we be able. You know what? Both of those are true. Depending on what you buy into, both of those are true depending on what you're going to put your trust in. You need to say, I'm well able. Doesn't matter about my past. Doesn't matter about what country I come from. Doesn't matter whether I speak English good or not good or Spanish good or not good. None of that matters. What matters is that my trust is in God Almighty and the DNA of Jesus Christ that's within me. Amen. And we are well able to overcome it. Now, I want to give you five things to jot down. We've already touched on these, so we can go through these rather quick. But to kind of get a handle on this, I want to give you some keys for doing it afraid. Number one, expose fear for what it is, false evidence appearing real. I think that's a good starting point. If you want to overcome this fear that we all face, this intimidation, this... Uh, these boundaries that try to box us in and say, you'll never own a house. You'll never go to school. You'll never, and there it goes. You expose it. No, it's false evidence appearing real. Number two, stay in the word. I can't emphasize that enough. We, we won't turn there, but write this reference down. Romans 10, 17. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I read the word, the word strengthens me. In, in many places, the Bible is, is compared to food. It's my spiritual food. I feel strengthened. It's just like when you have a, a good meal, a good balanced meal, you feel strengthened. You feel energy. When you eat the Word of God and stay in the Word, you're going to feel strong. When you go two days, three days, four days, a week without the Word, you're going to start feeling like, man, why do I feel so energyless? Well, you need to get some food in you. Number three, do not go by feelings, just show up. You know, I, I can't emphasize that enough. In some battles, you, you're not going to feel like showing up. Just show up, and you'll be surprised. Don't go by your feelings. Your feelings will say, you know what? Don't go look at the house. Don't get the brochure about the school. Don't go look at airplanes. Uh, don't, I don't feel like it. Yeah, I don't feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and your, your feelings just run in the wrong direction. Just show up. I remember when I was in college, there'd be some tests that I would, I knew that were coming and I was not prepared. And part of my life was like, I just don't even want to go to that class. And I'd just show up and the professor would say, you know what? I think we're just giving everybody a curve on this one. And I'd be like, thank you, Jesus. But it only applies to those of you who showed up today. 
It only applies to those who showed up today. Just show up. Even if you're just dragging yourself in there, just show up. Number four, associations. Hang out with positive faith people. That's why you need to be a, a part of this church. Those of you watching online, that's why you need to continue watching online, but better yet, come and be with us in person. There's something about the corporate anointing that will never be replaced. There's something about the, the body of Christ. You know, we would all like to be, I'd like to just be a Christian on the beach with a pina colada. Be honest with you, that's really what I would, that's what my flesh would like. I would feel real good with me and Jesus and a pina colada with a little dose of rum. Uh-oh, I said it. If you feel offended, then I just pray that you'll get over your offense. But guess what? That might do for a vacation, but God says, no, I want you to be a part of my body. I want you to be a part of my people because when you're with my people, you can be better and you can do more. And I'll be honest with you, I've just decided, I've just made my mind up, I'm going to live a long life. By the grace of God, I intend to live a supernaturally long life. Now, I'm 68 going on 69. And guess what? I read in the news where some of these guys that don't even know Jesus, they live to be 88, 90, 95, and they're jetting around and doing all this stuff for the world. Guess what? Missionaries need help. I'm going to stay here for the missionaries. My two children that are still alive, they need me. I'm going to stay here. I've got an investment on the other side. Don't get me wrong. My son is there waiting. My mom and my dad are waiting. And the older you get, that's one of the tough things mentally that you got to deal with. When you're young, you don't think about it. But when you're older, you start seeing loved ones go. You got, to, you got to have the pioneer spirit. I mean, you read about some of the old pioneers and, you know, they lost whole families and started again. They had children killed in skirmishes and they started again. You got to get tough. And I've just made up my mind, by the grace of God, and I have to say it that way, by the grace of God, I'm going to be tough and I'm going to live a long life because people here need help. That's the reason. That's the reason. One of the, one of the advantages of living a long life, too, I've heard, is you can tell the stories the way you want to tell them. Hello, hallelujah. Because everybody else who knows different, they've died and gone on. Huh? Amen. All right. Number five. Number five, the last one. Take action. Ask God for wisdom. You know, James 1 verse 5 says, pray for wisdom. Let me give you a definition of wisdom. Wisdom is God's plan. God's strategy. So when you're moving and forward and you're doing it afraid, you remember we said, do it, see it, say it, do it. This is the do it part. But in the middle of the do it, ask God for his wisdom. God, what's the steps? What's the plan? Show me. And guess what? James 1.5 says, he will show you if you ask for it. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. 
we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygreater.church.